I have three questions for you, football fans. One, are the Patriots that bad? Two, are the Cowboys that good? And three, which three and one team is due for a fall? This is Adesina Koike, and you're listening to Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. Now, after I said that, you would usually hear music and a narrator saying, this is a lot of sports talk, Down and Distance, but we don't have that uh, set up yet, but this is our debut show of Down and Distance on the A Lot of Sports Talk Network. My name is Adeshina Koike, and this is a conversation and a discussion about all things in the National Football League, past and present and future, and uh, one of the things that I've discovered in the almost 10 years that I've been uh, a journalist uh, professionally, yes, you run into so many people who know their sports in the press box and different reporters and different people uh, that you meet in the sports world, but you meet the same type of people in bars, in restaurants, and even in rooftop parties, and it's just so much fun that we are able to get to just talk sports anywhere you go, so this is going to be a conversation and a show that's all about the voice of the fan, with a journalist perspective as well, me being here uh, on the show, hosting the show, but we will always have different guests uh, with me for down and distance talking about the National Football League. We're going into week five of the National Football League and our guest today, and she's probably going to be our uh, main co-host on Down and Distance, is premier Buffalo Bills fan and premier NFL fan as well. She's not just a Bills fan, and that's it. Uh, her name is Holly Culbertson, and Holly, thank you so very much for joining me and co-hosting this show, and um, thank you. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you ready to talk a little football? I am always ready to talk football. <laughs> always. Re- always ready to okay. talk football. Okay, and I know a lot of people listening to this are always ready to talk and listen to all things NFL. So we are at the quarter pole of the season, and on our show, we're going to have four different downs. So this is first down on our show, and this is about the quarter pole of the 2014 NFL season. Of course, so many people in the NFL circles make a lot about the first four games of the season, the first quarter of the season, and breaking it up into quarters, four quarters of four games. And uh, if you get off to a good start, it's usually a pretty good sign that you're going to uh, make the playoffs. Uh, There's a stat that since 1990, since the expanded playoffs, more than three out of every five teams that start three and one make the playoffs. So if you start three and one, or even better, you're in pretty good shape. If you start... One and three are worst. You are uh, kind of in terrible shape. But there are always teams, at least one team a year. The Giants did it one year. Exactly. They were one and three, and they made it to, they would made it to the ball. Start, so. start bad, and then all of a sudden, you just uh, catch fire. And, right. Uh, so that's what we're going to concentrate on right now. There are six teams in the NFL that are three and one. There are five teams in the NFL that are one and three. Of course, we're not going to talk about two and two teams. Uh, not all of them. There's too many. And <laughs> right, <laughs> Way too many. A lot of them. Yes, uh, thank you, NFL Parody. Uh, There are only two teams currently undefeated. And if you said this 20 years ago, people would look at you like you had eight heads. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Arizona Cardinals. Are the two undefeated teams? Crazy. <laughs> you know, twenty. You were watching Jeff Blake, quarterback in Cincinnati, <laughs> and continuing to be uh, a terrible team. And all of a sudden, they're uh, you know, not necessarily all of a sudden. They've been in the playoffs the past few years, and they're well on their way uh, as well. But we're going to talk about the six three and one teams, and I'm going to say the three and one teams, and not all these teams. I don't believe. 
are going to keep up in the rich vein of form that they're going to ha- that they've had so far. One of these teams maybe is probably going to uh, take a dip. So the six three and one teams, you have the Baltimore Ravens, you have the Houston Texans at three and one, more wins than they had all last season when they went two and fourteen. Houston, you have San Diego three and one, my AFC pick to go to the Super Bowl. Okay, my AFC pick to go to the Super Bowl. You have the Philadelphia Eagles at three and one, coming off that tough loss against uh, San Francisco. They probably should have been four and zero. The Dallas Cowboys are three and one. Your favorite team, my favorite team, America's <laughs> team, the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions as well, uh, also at three and one. So my first question to you, um, other than how are you doing, uh, <laughs> is of these teams at three and one. Which of these teams do you think is probably due for a little bit of a fall uh, going deeper into the season? Of these six teams, Baltimore, Houston, San Diego, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Detroit. Dallas. Just Dallas. Why? Dallas. Um, I think Dallas because um, they're just, they're not consistent. They've won their games barely. Um, Romo is hurt. He continues to play hurt. They're going... Every defense in the NFL is going after him, knocking him down, and he goes out, they have no team. Well, the funny thing about Tony Romo being hurt, and he's always, uh, at least for the past couple of years, is fighting uh, a back injury, which is only get worse uh, instead of getting better. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys, the past uh, few games, they've really concentrated on the run. They're the leading they have. team yes. in the NFL in rushing. You have DeMarco Murray over 500 yards, yards. in the first uh, four games. So um, if Dallas were to continue... Dallas chokes every year. Which they do. (laughs) Okay. So do you think that it'll once again be Dallas in a Week 17 game, winner goes to the playoffs, loser uh, goes home. They've done that the past three years and and they've lost the past three years. I think that's exactly what's going to happen with Dallas. Uh, Another team in the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles, also 3-1. They were manhandled by the 49ers, yet only lost by uh, uh, 24-21. 26-21. Didn't score an offensive touchdown um, in the ballgame. Any worries uh, with the Eagles at 3-1? I, I also think the Eagles probably will not make the playoffs. I, I do think that. Um, so those are the two teams, I think, uh, that won't, won't do it. And I also think Philadelphia is going to come down to crunch time. Um, I also think the Giants are going to surge back. So I, I think Philadelphia needs to watch out. Oh, so, so you're agreeing with me I that am the New York Giants I am agreeing with are your NFC East pick. Yes, they are. I have the Giants going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. The Super Bowl. I do. You know, after two weeks, uh, we had the Giants in the toilet bowl. Because mm-hmm. that's how bad they were playing. Yes, they were. And I, I actually went to uh, with my girlfriend to see the, the first game they played, and I just shook my head. I'm like, this is horrible. Um, but they're getting used to the West Coast offense. They're doing really well with the West Coast offense now that they're, they're, they've got it all in sync. I guess it took a couple weeks for them to figure that out. Um, but they played impressively. Yeah. Impressively. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think if they keep going with this, that they have a really good shot to go back to the ball. I, a few weeks back, I've been to both uh, Giants games at MetLife Stadium. The first game after they lost to Detroit got absolutely manhandled uh, by the Lions against Arizona. That was a game that they pretty much dominated. Uh, Drew Stanton was that quarterback for uh, Arizona. Carson Palmer was gone. That was a game that they held Arizona pretty much in check, and they just gave the game away. They did. Uh, uh, Eli Manning had, I believe, three interceptions uh, in that game. There was another turnover as well that the Giants committed. And at that point, at 0-2, it was one of those. Last year, they started 0-6. And they were 0-2. 
and facing Houston, it was 2-0, and and it looked as if the Giants were going to start 0-3, 0-4, 0-5. Agreed. Who knows? Agreed. Uh, but you're right. The past couple of weeks, the West Coast offense has really they been clicked. clicking. They've really been clicking. Now, is it, is it one of those they will take it from here? Or is it one of those, well, since they're with everybody else in the division that's inconsistent, or at least Dallas is consistent, uh, Philadelphia hasn't been as consistent as they were last year, uh, that uh, they could just fall into that mire of inconsistency? I think they can fire. Yes, they can fall into that mire of inconsistency, but I think the way they're playing right now, and if they continue to play like this, which I don't see why they would not, because it's working. Um, that's one thing with Eli Manning. If it's working, he does well. Mm-hmm. If it's not working, he does really bad. If you quarterbacks like that. <laughs> yeah. Eli cannot handle strife. So, um, but right now they're clicking. Everything's working. I don't see that changing. I don't see Tom Coughlin letting this happen again. Not at all. Not uh, at all. Uh, I just don't see it happening. So my pick, uh, you know, for NFC to go to the bowl actually is Giants. To go to the bowl? Yeah. We're only in week five. I you know. hold off from your Super Bowl for hey, you. Hey, you said the Chargers. <laughs> I, Come on. No, they are 3-1. I hate to break it to you. They are on that list of 3-1 teams. We're going to focus a little bit on the AFC teams uh, that are 3-1. Three, three of them, Baltimore, Houston, um, and San Diego. And I believe San Diego is... And I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for it, but even before the season started, I thought they were the best team in the AFC, period. Better than Denver, uh, better than New England. We'll get to New England in a little bit. Uh, Better than Cincinnati, better than Baltimore. Uh, But I really thought that San Diego, uh, with Philip Rivers, he had such a great year. It looked as if going into last year, he was at the end of his rope. I agree. At the very end of his rope. He's he's come back big this year. He really has. And Ken Wisenhunt. Last year, really resurrected Philip Rivers, and they got. Uh, yes, the Chargers did go eight and eight last year, so it's not as if they were that impressive. But they got into the playoffs, beat Cincinnati uh, in the playoffs as well. I think they're just continuing to carry on uh, from last season. Their only loss was a one-point loss to Arizona in Correct. Game One on uh, the second game of Monday Night Football, the season opener, and that was a game that they pretty much had, and Arizona nipped them at the very end. So they're that close to being four and zero ahead of Denver. I mean, they are ahead of Denver, but Denver had a bye week, so they're Denver's two and one, San Diego's three and one. But uh, Danny Woodhead out for the year. It's a big loss, huge loss uh, for uh, San Diego. Ryan Matthews has to come back from a knee injury as well. Uh, but the passing game, I think, is going to continue to carry them. The defense is better uh, than the past couple of years. So, as much as Denver gets a lot of attention, I, I don't think that I have to. I will agree with you. Right now, San Diego is the best right. team in the AFC. Right now, right now, right now. Cincinnati. Yeah, I think they are. I mean, Cincinnati, again, is like another team. Yeah, they're having a great start, um, but I see them falling off. <laughs> it, it, it usually happens in January when they yeah, fall off. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that's right. They're, they're, they're going to fall off. I mean, I, I don't doubt Cincinnati will make the playoffs because of the division they're in. That That's just, it's a given. Um, really? Okay. I think so. I think it's a given. Um, they're going to take, you know, their division, but I don't see them going past the first round of the playoffs. Baltimore's 3-1 in that division. Uh, they did lose to one of that one loss was to Cincinnati in Baltimore. Uh, so they'll play again. Uh, Baltimore, uh, there's been so much strife, obviously, yeah. with the whole uh, Ray Rice situation and scenario. But after that loss and after uh, the release of the full video in that Atlantic City Casino, uh, I don't I don't want to make a correlation. Obviously, I don't want to make a correlation between uh, that scenario happening with the whole video being released and everything that came with that. And with the Ravens winning, they shouldn't use, and they probably don't use uh, that incident to spur them on to win, but they have won three games in a row. Uh, could it 
possibly be a situation where they're either galvanizing together just because of all of the bows and arrows being thrown at the team because of uh, this situation, or is it just, you know, hey, they just went three in a row, and it's independent of it? I think it's independent of it. Um, I think that team is in a lot of turmoil. There's still a lot of investigation going on with who knew what and who didn't know what, and and of course that's going to put a lot of stress on the team. I think they're playing really well under the adversity that the team is under, um, especially the owner and the head coach. Yeah. Um, and so, the general manager. And awesome. the general manager, yep, as well. So I think they're doing really well. Again, um, another team that chokes. So I, I don't see them taking it to the end. Well, that, well they won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Well, a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's not today. Okay, it's not today. <laughs> not today. Uh, I think the only team that we haven't really, uh, well, there's a couple of teams we haven't concentrated on uh, with Houston um, and Detroit. Of course, uh, I mentioned that you are a Buffalo Bills fan, and the Bills will take on the Detroit Lions. They're going down this field. week. Okay. Oh, down. Of course, the Bills are going down, yes. No, Detroit <laughs> is going down, my friend. Going uh, down. Is that your objective analysis <laughs> voice, funny. or is that your uh, Buffalo Bills fan since Joe Ferguson days? <laughs> no, that's my objective voice. <laughs> right, no problem. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people will be surprised. Uh, the team with the best defense in the National Football League in terms of total yards allowed the Detroit Lions. Yes. Uh, they're known for their offense with Matthew Stafford. Calvin Johnson slowed down a little bit, uh, a lot by an ankle injury, but an impressive win against the Jets. It was impressive, even though the Jets aren't um, really clicking on all cylinders right now at 1-3, and three, but Detroit 3-1, and one, a big, big win against uh, the New York Jets. Okay, uh, this is the reason why I think the Bills are going to win this week. Okay. Johnson's playing hurt. Yeah. Golden Tate also playing, but very hurt. Mm-hmm. Running back, out with a hamstring. So they've got nothing on the offense, nothing. And I'm sorry, the Bills' defense is a very underrated and a lot better than people make them out for. I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah. I think it's good down to the wire because the Bills like to give me a heart attack every week. <laughs> um, and, but I do think the, the Bills are going to squeak it out. You're a grateful person that is on the verge of a heart attack every week. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> every Sunday, they do it to me. The Bills are 2-2, two two, the Lions are 3-1. and one. I mentioned the New York Jets uh, at 1-3. and three. Uh, there are five teams in the National Football League uh, that are 1-3, and three, and I mentioned earlier on that usually you have teams that start off slow but then come on mm-hmm. uh, and have a pretty good season at the very end. So I want to concentrate on the 1-3 and three teams. I won't concentrate on the 0-4 teams unless you want me to. No. Oakland and Jacksonville, those okay, are the only well, two winless teams. You want to concentrate on them a little bit? Okay. Good, luck, good, luck, good luck, guys. <laughs> exactly. That's all I can say. Yeah, right. uh, good luck, guys. Uh, uh, and um, I actually uh, picked Jacksonville to be relevant by the month of December, so, well, um, anyways, we'll just move on from there. <laughs> uh, so we have did, did, you have another, did you have a beer before you came over here? No, I didn't. Uh, I just had, no, I, I just had this water. Did I have a beer before I proclaimed that Jacksonville would be much improved? Oh, I might have had a, a few. Uh, but there are five one and three teams. The New Orleans Saints are one and three, coming off of getting pounded by the Cowboys, thirty-eight seventeen on Sunday Night Football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one and three, but they won last week, comeback win in Pittsburgh, so that may spur their season on right now. The uh, Tennessee Titans are one and three. In our nation's capital, Washington is one in three, and my favorite team, uh, my team that I ride or die with, and right now I'm. Dying a slow death. Uh, the New York Jets are at one and three as well. So of that list of teams, is there any team, if there is any team on that list, that you believe that could turn it around and salvage uh, their season after a not-so-good first quarter? New Orleans. Uh, that's that's a no-brainer. I, I 
this is a shock, I think, to everybody in, watch, that watches the NFL that New Orleans is doing this bad. Um, I think they just need to get into a little bit more rhythm. Um, they are that one, one team on that list that can come back easily. The Saints, as much as they have the offensive talent, they always will have the offensive talent. Correct. Last year, they did well. They won 11 games, I believe. They won on the road in the playoffs against mm-hmm. Philadelphia, which I don't think anyone gave New Orleans a chance because right. of Agreed. how much of a Jekyll and Hyde team they are at home compared to on the road. But last year, they had a really good defense. They had one of the most improved defenses in the National Football League. They were really bad. They were historically bad right. uh, in 2012. Historically yes. bad. They were one of the bad. worst. I believe the worst. They were the bottom of the barrel. No, one of the, the worst ever. In terms of yards giving up, up ever. Yeah, they uh, broke that wonderful record. Yeah, and then uh, Rob Ryan came in from Dallas, became the defensive coordinator last year, and they did a complete 180. Did so well on defense, won a playoff game on the road in Philadelphia. This year, they are back to their 2012 ways. They are 29th in defense. They're giving up almost 400 yards a game. Only Atlanta, sorry, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Jacksonville giving up more yards per game uh, than the New Orleans Saints. And one of their best defenders and someone you're very familiar with, Jarvis Bird, now out for the season. I know. Yes. yes. For the big acquisition. One of their big acquisitions, Jarvis Bird. That was a big acquisition yeah. for them. And I was like, okay, well, no, their defense is definitely going to step up with him. But with him gone... Yeah, well, it, it hurts. With him there, they were giving a four hundred yards, which is surprising to me because Darius Bird is—he's a great player. He's an amazing player when he's there. That's you know, I wasn't totally sad when he was traded off because he's when he's there, he's there, and he's he's a great defensive player. But when his mind's not in the game, which is a lot of the time, yeah. um, he didn't play well. So you know, but he seemed to be doing okay with New Orleans. But I, I think if there's any team on that list that can pull up their bootstraps and pull it around, it's them. It's hard for me to actually pick a team from that list, even with New Orleans's New Orleans' acumen on offense. If their defense continues to give up 400 yards a game, exactly and essentially the Saints have to play a shootout every game and have to win 41-38, and they'll win their share of shootouts. They will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. No, I agree on the, on the defensive side of it. Yeah, they can't keep going on like this to come out of that slump. Um, but if any team on that list ca- list can do it, it is the New Orleans Saints. If and I'm, I'm probably surprised you a little bit of all those teams I think can come out of those doldrums, early season doldrums, and uh, do very well at the end part of the season, middle part, and towards the end. I think it's Tampa Bay. Uh, they finally got a win. They were 0-3 at Pittsburgh. Mike Glennon playing instead of Josh McCown. McCown was a big acquisition for Tampa Bay, getting Josh McCown. Uh, they drafted Mike Evans, the wide receiver from Texas A&M. Vincent Jackson is there. Doug Martin back from his shoulder injury. So Lovey Smith at head coach. Improved Love Lovey. Right? And it just didn't come off. At the very beginning, uh, one of the Thursday night games uh, was the Atlanta game, which Atlanta totally wiped out Tampa Bay. But that win last week, coming back from a 24-20 deficit, no timeouts, going down the field, less than a minute to go, that winning touchdown pass from Glennon uh, to Vincent Jackson. And Glennon has a lot of experience from last year. Not great experience, but he didn't do too terrible last year, quarterback being drafted uh, last season out of NC State. And even though McCown is hurt, and McCown did so well with Chicago when Cutler got hurt, I think Glennon has his second chance. And Tampa Bay and New Orleans play each other on Sunday at the Dome. And I probably will sound like a fool saying that I believe Tampa will go on the road and beat New Orleans. But I do believe 
that Tampa. Now the losers won in four. Well, the Cruz is running for, and they're probably done. They're probably done. They're jealous. Because there's just, what a way to such a mountain to climb. Such a a mountain to climb. I believe Tampa, buoyed by their win last week in Pittsburgh, and in the fashion that they did it in, I believe that Tampa can carry that into the Dome. It's a divisional game, so if it's a non-divisional team going into New Orleans, I'd probably give New Orleans much more of a chance. I still give New Orleans a great chance to winning, but because of the familiarity between these two teams every year, I don't think Tampa's going to get blown out. I don't. I, I agree with you there. I don't think they'll get blown out either. I think it'll be a close game, but I do think New Orleans will win. Yeah. And then I, gotta, I do have to mention the uh, New York Jets. Okay. Well, one and three. Yeah. Um, and I wrote an article on the Tuesday 10 spot on a lot of sports talk.com. And one of the points I made was Gio Smith does have to be benched. I and agree. Rex Ryan is holding on to Gino Smith, that quarterback. I don't know if that's actually him speaking or uh, someone telling him from up top that Gino Smith uh, is the guy. But the past few years, we've gone through this. Jets fans have gone through this. And there has never really been a capable backup. So last year when Geno Smith was doing well and not doing well and you felt like benching him, Mark Sanchez was hurting out for the year. So you really couldn't bench him. When Mark Sanchez was doing well and not doing so well, there was really no viable option Correct. behind Mark Sanchez. Correct. So when Mark Sanchez was doing five picks, we just sat there as Jets fans saying, well, we'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, there's now a viable option yeah. behind yeah. Geno Smith and Michael Vick. He is, Vick is injury prone. He is turnover prone. Uh, but I believe he has a winning record as a starting quarterback. I'm sure he has a winning record as a starting he quarterback. He has an NFC Championship game uh, appearance to his name with Atlanta. He did well in Philadelphia at the very beginning before he did flame out a little bit at the end, a lot at the end actually, and then Nick Foles was able to do so well uh, uh, in Vic's stead when Vic had the concussion and Foles came in, but I want to tell people how much Geno Smith is killing the Jets, because many people talk about the talent around Geno Smith not being the best, and that is true, but you have to consider that the Jets this season are in the top five in total defense. They're number two in defense. Yeah, uh, I was just no. going to bring that up. The, the, they are so, the offense is, is weak, no doubt, but your defense see, is ridiculous. See, even, even I don't believe when the offense is weak. No, Let me off- tell you. Let me no, tell you. No, no, no. Okay, now this is if you believe in statistics, okay? And there okay. is that famous line, right. you know, there's three types of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. statistics. <laughs> but if you believe the statistics, the Jets are third in the NFL in defense, first in the AFC. They are number one in the league in stopping the run. They only allow 63 yards per game. As much as the passing defense gets lambasted because there's really no one you know in the secondary, the Jets are still 11th in pass defense. They lead the NFL in sacks, 14. You go into the offense. We mentioned the Dallas Cowboys are the number one rushing team in the NFL. The Jets are second. They have a one They do it. They, well, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you didn't let me see, finish. Sorry. No, go ahead. I tend to uh, step on people's feet. Yeah, yeah, I, I, no, I was going to say you have a very talented running back on, on there. They need to utilize him more. Um, that's, that's, you know, they just, they need to quit giving. If they're not going to bench Gino, quit having him throw the ball. Because that, that's, 
That's that simple. Yeah, simple. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's that simple. But yeah, Chris Ivory has been such a find for the New York Jets coming yep. over from New Orleans. Bilal Powell hasn't been bad, but hasn't been utilized as much. Chris Johnson has, uh, I believe, two or three touchdowns uh, this season. So they won the ball, and they stopped the run. And how many times do you hear that? If you are a successful football team, you run the ball, the Jets are second. You stop the run, the Jets are first, and stopping the run. And yet, they're 1-3, and, and they have the Chargers coming up on Sunday in San Diego. You're going to get pummeled. Followed by the Broncos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> followed by a Thursday night game against New England. Yes. So 1-3 and three can turn into 1-6 and six really quick. But I do want to mention this before we transition to uh, the New England Patriots, another team of the AFC East, and the Buffalo Bills as well. Geno Smith has committed seven turnovers by himself. Seven of the eight yep, turnovers. He has. And Jets. that's what it's killing him. Seven. No, but here's how much it's killing them. Of the seven turnovers Geno Smith has committed, five have been committed with the Jets in opponent's territory. As they're driving towards uh, some sort of points. Five of them. Five of them have occurred on first down. Five first down turnovers, which is just four on interceptions. It boggles the mind. I think all five were on interceptions. All five. No, they were all no, four, no, four. Oh, he fumbled one. He fumbled one, yeah, when he, he got hit by former Jack, James Hedigan. Um, so five was turnovers on opponent's side of the 50. Five of the seven turnovers on first down. Four of them came after the Jets had just gotten a first down on the drive, and then they turned it over on that uh, ensuing down. Of the two turnovers that did not occur on first down, one of them was on second and goal. Right. And he fumbled at the one-yard line against the Raiders in the season opener. He was the only reason the Raiders were even in the game against uh, yes. the New York Jets. He threw the interception to Charles Woodson, which the Raiders took for a touchdown. He fumbled at the goal line. Right. That, that game should have been a blowout, and they only won that game by five. Uh, they honestly shouldn't have won that game. No, they should, no, the, Jets, no the Jets dominated the Raiders. It just looked like, oh, the Raiders had a chance? No, they shouldn't have. Okay? Seven turnovers by Geno Smith have resulted in 21 points. Uh, for the opponents. That, that's at least you know a field goal per turnover. And then you look at the margins of defeat for the Jets. Against the Packers, they lost by seven. Mm-hmm. Against the Bears, they lost by eight. Against the Lions, they lost by seven. So these are possessions that Geno Smith just flat out giving away in games with the Jets or losing by one possession. Right. And everything else is essentially set, even without... Uh, a Calvin Johnson or even an Altoon going back to New York Jets uh, greats back in the 80s at wide receiver or Wesley Walker. Yes, the receivers aren't great, but the run game is really good. It is. The run defense is the best in the league so far. Yes. Pass defense is not as bad because they can get to the quarterback. They lead in sacks. If they, could, if they didn't sack the quarterback, the pass D would be really bad. Right. But they're getting to the quarterback. So you literally are looking at a situation where no, really, it's our quarterback that's killing us. Bench the, bench the kid. <laughs> oh, right. Speaking of benching, yes. um, DJ Manuel in the AFC East uh, has been benched. Kyle Orton yes. in. Your, yes. your thoughts? My thoughts. I'm actually, I don't, personally, I think this is a good thing for the Bills, but I don't think EJ deserved to be benched. I, I, I see why they did it. We've lost two in a row. Um, EJ, you know, threw an interception last week. It was a, a killer that killed the game. Yeah. Um, a couple of them got the yeah, first touchdown. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, there's yeah, two. Inter- yeah, yeah, that. Well, I almost cried. <laughs> um, yeah, two interceptions last week. Um, he's just not putting the yards on there, you know. And Kyle Orton, uh, his he's interception prone. He throws. He likes. He loves throwing that ball. <laughs> um, I mean, 
Quarterbacks love throwing the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he throws it when he shouldn't throw it. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, he is interception prone, but, I mean, in 2009, 2010, he threw for over 3,000 yards in a season. I mean, he's a solid starter. He, he's not injury prone. Um, if he can get in sync with Woods and Watkins and they stick to the run game and we have two of the best running backs in the NFL, I, I, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I think it's a positive move. Um, I think we need – EJ needs a little bit more – training, but I don't think he's just been on the field enough. I He was injured a lot of last year. I don't think they're really giving him a chance, but everybody's job's on the line right now in Buffalo yeah, because of the new owners. owners. Yeah. yeah, everybody's the job's board. on the line right now, so that's why they did it. Are you worried about E.J. Manuel's psyche going forward? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, I hope Orton doesn't get hurt because I don't know if E.J. can come back in and, and do well, this. Well, what if, what if Kyle Orton doesn't get hurt and they do well? Then, well, you know, E.J., you're, you're a backup or... You're going to get traded. Well, but Kyle Orton's not yet. Well, Kyle, well, Kyle Orton's not the long-term No, he's deal. not the long-term solution. But the, the thing is, is right now in Buffalo, um, because of the new owners and everything that's gone on there over the past, you know, in the offseason, they need to make the playoffs this year. It's absolute. We haven't been in the playoffs since 1999. It's the longest, I think, one of the longest droughts in the NFL. We, we have to make it. I, that's why they did it. It's not that they don't have faith in EJ, uh, I kind of have faith in the kid. I think he can do it um, in the long term. But right now, that's that's not important. Important right now in Buffalo, so everybody has a job next year, is make yeah. the playoffs. And the funny, and it's funny you say that they have to make the playoffs yep. this year because usually in any other year since the turn of the century, if you have to make the playoffs out of the AFC East, that would be a tall order because you have that Leviathan in Foxborough, Massachusetts, the New England Patriots, which would <laughs> make it hard to make the playoffs or at least win the division because of the presence of the New England Patriots. But New England Patriots are two and two. They are the division leaders along with the Bills, along with the Dolphins at two and two. As bad as the Jets have been playing or as bad as Geno Smith's been playing, Jets only a game back out of first. But New England, the prohibitive favorite every single year to win the East until Tom Brady turns to dust. Last week, they were absolutely smoked. They were steamrolled. Whatever <laughs> adjective, verb you want to use uh, combination, they were trucked by the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on Monday Night Football. And it, it's one thing if that game would have happened on a 1 o'clock on a Sunday. And it was really no, it happened on national, national television. getting smoked, and now everybody is surrounding the fishbowl in which the Patriots are in, looking in and saying, what is the deal? What is the problem? Um, they have a lot of problems on that team. Yeah. There's a lot going on Okay, there. so, yeah. Um, yeah there, there's a lot of problems on that team, which, you know, is... Both of us, AFC East people, we, we're very happy that they're having these problems. Mm -hmm. um, will they fix them? I don't think they can fix them in the long term. I think New England's a viable team. We can, anybody can beat them right now. Anybody can. Um, Brady is not in sync with any of his receivers. N besides Edelman, and Edelman had, I think Edelman just had a bad game. Uh, but Brady, it, I was watching the highlights um, after the game, and just Brady just was not in sync with anybody. Gronkowski is not the same player. He just isn't, um, and they want to think that he is, but he, he's not come back from that injury. Um, they have one of the worst offensive lines right now <laughs> in the yes. NFL. It's horrible, really bad. and their defense, which has never really been super strong, um, but had been better in the last couple years, is way back to old New England defense. They don't have one, mm. um, and it, it all came to a head, I think, this week, and all the problems came out on national television. Brady needs to... 
get in sync with those receivers, and I don't know why it's not happening, but, and I'm kind of glad it's not happening, but it's, yeah, they're just, they have a lot of problems. They've got to tighten up that offensive line. If they don't, they're going to, they're going to have more losses like this. I will say this. Uh, I don't think it's Tom Brady. I don't think... Did you mentioned it? Tom Brady and his receivers. I don't think it's Tom Brady for... For the, for the fact that two things. Obviously, Tom Brady, three-time Super Bowl quarterback. I think... Yes, he's, what, 36, 37 years he's old? 36, I think. But you have Peyton Manning. You have Drew Brees. They're all 33, 34 plus. It's not the age thing. It's not the age. It's not the age. Listen, I don't think they just have the talent outside. I agree. Julian Edelman, who, as great as he has been the past few years, college quarterback coming out of college, he's not a guy that's really a big threat. He's essentially replacing Wes Welker. But Wes Welker was great in New England, but part of the reason is because he had Randy Moss for a couple of years. years. Yeah. In New England, yeah. there's no Randy Moss. There's no. not even a Wes Welker. No. <laughs> in no. New England. There, right I now. mean, but the thing is also, too, they're going to rely on Brady's arm to, to win these games. Yeah. They always have. And, you know, I watched the the highlights of all his throws. There was a, a, a thing on SP, ESPN where they showed all, all of his passes. He was off the mark 90% of the time. And that's Brady. That's, that's, I'm sorry, that's Brady. He was off the mark, which is uncharacteristic of him. Completely. I was shocked. You, shocked. Will, be, you will be off. Tom Brady will be off. Any quarterback will be off if your offensive line cannot sustain blocks and you have Kansas City's defensive line, which I, is one of the best in the league. Tom Holly, Justin Houston, Don Tyler Even if there isn't a rush, you're going to be skittish. You're going to think, uh-oh, I need to get rid of this really quick, even though you have the pocket uh, secure. But in pass has not been that way. No, but that's any quarterback if under consistent siege. You're going to sure. see things sure. that aren't there. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. Right. He was under siege all, all game. Yeah, and, right. I, and I will say this to a close. The Patriots don't have a run game. They have nothing. Last year, they were blunt. <sighs> they became a run team. The they became a run team. It was ridiculous last year. And they don't have that with James White, no. Stephen Ridley. If Tom Brady has to drop back 45, 50, 55 times, now three, four, five years ago, 10 years ago, you'd be scared to death if Tom Brady's throwing the ball all over the place. Not now. No. Not now. If Tom Brady drops back and has to throw 50 times, great. I'll take my chances, and I believe you'll take your chances yes. Um, yes. as well. And they have the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. They are going to get on beat. Sunday night. I think they're they going to be home underdog. I know. They're a home underdog. Last, Isn't that crazy? Last year, they were a home underdog against uh, the Denver Broncos. That was the game in which the Broncos proceeded to score 24 points and go 24 nothing at halftime, only to be outscored 31 in the second half. Game uh, goes to overtime. West Welker fumbles a punt. Hunt. I know. And yeah. the uh, Pages end up winning on a field goal. So a home underdog. Uh, and before that game against Denver last year, they were a home favorite 65 consecutive times. I know. Uh, you, would you put your money on Cincinnati minus one as yes. a favorite? You would. Yes, you absolutely. On the road. In on the road. road. Yes, I think they'll win it. Okay. Okay. I think they'll win it. I still have a sneaking feeling that New England's going to uh, uh, win the game just because. Just because. Mm-hmm. Until I see Rome collapse. I still <laughs> think Rome, <laughs> Rome exists. not only exists, but is flourishing. Even though I know that the cracks are in the aqueducts and everything. Okay, until I see Rome collapse, uh, it's I'm collapsing. still... It's collapsing. Uh, 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 hey, hey, when, when Nero's playing this fiddle while Rome is burning, then I will say okay. Right, we'll talk uh, about this next week, and we can see how far Rome is collapsing. Okay, no right. problem, but we will take a break. Uh, first of all, that was a great first segment, by the way. But we do have to step aside for a little bit, but uh, when we come back really quick, we are going to talk about 
my favorite team and your favorite team because they're America's team. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are three and one going into a big game uh, this Sunday against the Houston Texans, and we have a special guest, Christy Scales of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network, joining our show to talk all things Dallas Cowboys. So a very, very insightful interview. And if you want to talk to someone who knows a team in and out, not just this year's team, but the history. This is an interview you have to listen to. Christy just knows her Cowboys in and out. So our interview with Christy Scales coming up on Down in Distance. And until then, that's on second down, our interview with Christy Scales. We'll be back after the interview for our third down segment, looking at the matchups and previewing some of the matchups in week five of the National Football League. So that is coming up next. Christy Scales on second down, third down, our preview of week five. So until then, enjoy the royalty-free music. This is Down in Distance on a lot of sports talk. The Dallas Cowboys are on a lot of lips of football fans across the country right now, and that is mostly because of their 38-17 dominating performance in prime time against the New Orleans Saints to go to 3-1 and of the season. The Cowboys tied for first place in the NFC East with the Philadelphia Eagles, and after that performance in front of millions of fans nationwide, a lot of people are wondering, including us, whether the Cowboys have really Put it together. And joining us right now to answer that question and a few more questions is Christy Scales of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. First of all, Christy, thank you so very much for joining us once again. The mood around Valley Ranch has to be a buoyant one, right? Well, they're happy, but they're, they know that they've got a long way to go. And in fact, one of the things that I liked best about um, the win Sunday night over New Orleans, which, you know, most uh, even the most optimistic Cowboy fan, if they thought the Cowboys might win the game, there's no way they would have predicted a win over the Saints by three touchdowns. So it was a it was a surprise to a lot of people, but not to the players in that post game locker room. In fact, wide receiver Des Bryant, you know, was asked about, "Hey, big upset win," and he's like, "We expected this." But we're not satisfied. We've got a long way to go, and we're going to keep fighting. So, um, you know, that's a mantra that I think the whole team has assumed, and and, uh, that's what Jason Garrett is uh, continuously preaching. He's preached it his whole four years here. It's very boring. You know, it's all about process and having a good Wednesday and stacking it on top of a good Thursday and on top of a good Friday. And the fans and the media get really tired of hearing it. But if the... um, if the players are buying into it, then that's the right approach for the rest of the season because we're only at the quarter post here for this season, and three and one is great. But uh, they've got a, they, they do have a run of home games coming up. There'll be uh, four or five home games, but then there's a lot on the road and really tough schedule at the end with some really quality opponents. So we've got a long way to go. And even though the Cowboys are three and one, they are tied with the Eagles. Uh, in the NFC East, so that that's still going to be a battle. The key to success is to be boring. Is that the case? <laughs> well, <laughs> their approach in terms of, uh, <laughs> but hey, you know, uh, the one thing, you talk about boring, I, I think that a lot of fans, especially younger ones in this day and age, who um, watch college football and it's a lot of the spread offense, or even with the NFL, the way they know it is through 
fantasy football or through uh, the Madden games, right? Yep. Um, you know, they, they think it's boring if you're handing the ball off. But that's been the key to the success of the Cowboys this year is their commitment to the run game. DeMarco Murray's having a terrific season leading the NFL in rushing. He's actually on pace for a 2,000-yard season. There's no way I'm predicting that for him because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that they can uh, – that he can maintain that, but the offensive line has just been outstanding through the first four games, and it's not surprising because the Cowboys have committed three of their last four first-round picks to the offensive line, so a commitment not in money but in resources in terms of all those top picks. So left tackle Tyron Smith is one of the top tackles in the game, period, not just in the NFC East or the conference, but period, one of the top players. And then uh, two years ago, the Cowboys drafted center Travis Frederick. He had a great rookie season last year. He's having another good year this year. And then uh, this past May, instead of taking Johnny Football, mm-hmm. you know, anybody who covers the Cowboys knows that Jerry Jones, the team owner, loves him some drama. <laughs> and uh, loves exciting players. Really? When, yeah, when Johnny Manziel was available with the 16th overall pick, oh my goodness, here we go. It might be Johnny Football, but instead, Jerry listened to his football people, and in the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, they took an offensive lineman out of Notre Dame. His name is Zach Martin, and he played tackle in uh, college, but he's playing right guard for the Cowboys, and he's just doing a great job. Uh, he just is mature beyond his years. And so um, he's the third of those um, first-round picks. The other two players along the line are uh, Doug Free, longtime veteran. He plays right tackle. And then Juan Leary was an undrafted free agent three years ago out of Memphis. He's doing a solid job at left guard. So a lot of credit to those offensive linemen. But I also want to mention that the tight ends, uh, in particular Jason Witten, no Cowboy has ever caught more passes than Jason Whitten. He's a tight end, but he has more career catches than Michael Irvin and Drew Pearson and Bob Hayes. So he's terrific at, at um, catching the ball, but he is a very willing, very good blocker. Uh, and then the backup, uh, James Hanna, backup tight end, is a good blocker. And then guys like um, Des Bryant. And Terrence Williams, the wide receiver, also good blockers. Dwayne Harris comes in. So it's really been a whole team effort. And when the line has opened the hole and Murray has been able to get into um, the secondary, then, you know, there's a good blocking down the field. So it's all worked together for him this year. Once again, Christy Scales of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network joining us on a lot of sports talk and a lot of attention, of course, on the Cowboys after the primetime win against the New Orleans Saints, and we and you touched on that a little bit. But I actually want to go back to a game before that, the game in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys are down 21 to nothing. Tony Roma just thrown a pick six to Janaris Jenkins, who returned it for a touchdown. I'm covering the Giants game. I'm seeing the score being flashed. Cowboys 0, Rams 21. And I know a good number of people in the press box um, are looking at that score and going, uh-oh, what must be going on on the Dallas Cowboys sideline, let alone what's going on on the field for Dallas being down 21 to nothing. Uh, that could, I know there's a long way uh, to go in the season, but I thought that might be one of the seminal moments of the season coming back from that deficit in St. Louis. What was the mood on the sidelines like when the Rams were up 21 to nothing 
adjusting and how did they get back into the game and how possibly could that game being down 21 nothing possibly be a turning point if it could be in the 2014 season well, there was no panic, and that was the key. The 21 to nothing score, you mentioned it was early in the game, and yeah, it was early in the second quarter, but what the Cowboys were able to do was stick with the game plan of running the ball. And uh, in the past, in the very recent past, <laughs> even last year, I think that, that uh, fans would have seen Tony Romo just chunking the ball all over. But it was so early in the game, and the team had uh, been running the ball um, well, not not really that well in the first quarter of that St. Louis game. There were a couple of uh, negative rushing plays for Murray in the offense, but still, um, there was so much time that they were able to stick with that run game. Yeah, there was the big 68-yard touchdown pass to Des Bryant, where the safety and the corner both bit on a mm-hmm. different route, and Des got behind them. So yeah, there, there were long scoring plays, but it was uh, maintaining that commitment to the run that was the key to that game. Also, the defense uh, just really shored up there in the second half. That The defense has just been uh, lambasted the, for the past two years. The D- Cowboys' defense was the worst in the league last year, um, gave up the third most yards in NFL history and the most ever um, by a Cowboys defense. So that's not the kind of team record you want to make. Um, they, they were just atrocious last year. A lot of it did have to do with injuries. And then this year, your best player, Sean Lee, your middle linebacker, uh, is out for the season with a knee injury. He gets hurt on the very first day of OTAs back in May. Um, you um, uh, let uh, Demarcus Ware go, who's a future Hall of Famer. He's going to be in your Cowboy Ring of Honor. Now he's playing for the Broncos. And... Uh, Jason Hatcher, your defensive tackle, who led the team in sacks last year and just such a great leader and, and solid player, you let him go in free agency, and he signs with the rival Redskins. So you're coming off the worst year statistically ever for a Cowboys defense. Um, three of your best players get away. Sean Lee's hurt. Oh, my goodness, it's just going to be awful. I, I, I don't know how they're going to be 30, number 33 in the 32-team league, but that's what's <laughs> going to happen this year. And instead, it's a bunch of no-name guys. They did make a couple moves. They got Rolando McClain, a former first-round pick for the Raiders. They got him from Baltimore. Let's say he's very mercurial. Mm-hmm. He's 25 years old and has retired twice from the NFL. But if they can keep his head straight, he's a very talented guy. Um, the, they got Henry Melton, a defensive tackle, who's a really good player, a Pro Bowl player uh, with the Bears, but he tore his knee up last year and missed the majority of the season. They signed him. So, you know, they, they brought some some veteran names in, but it's, you know, the Jeremy Mincy's of the world. It's not a lot to get the Cowboys fans excited. Yet Rod Marinelli, who's the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys this year, he was promoted from defensive line coach to defensive coordinator and took over from Ronnie Kiffin, um, you know, he's he's getting it all together, and, and he's making these guys believe it. You know, um, they're, the defensive players are following Marinelli's lead, and he did, he's done a real good job of, for example, against Drew Brees on Sunday night, mixing up man and zone. They got... Uh, they they did end up with two sacks late in the game, but early in the game they were able to affect Drew Brees enough and able to change up the coverages on Jimmy Graham just enough that it threw that uh, Saints offense um, really off until 
you know, they did make a good comeback late third quarter, early fourth, but uh, the Cowboys did get the stops middle of the fourth quarter and late in the game when they needed them. Again, Christy Scales of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network joining us. And you mentioned the defense, and you mentioned the injuries on the defense and how the defense has stepped up uh, despite mm-hmm. of that, of course, with Sean Lee. Uh, all the linebackers uh, right now have been oh my gosh, yeah. with, with McLean and uh, Justin Durant as well. Now, yeah, M- Bruce McClay Carter's been yeah. missed a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bruce Carter, that's the latest. He uh, uh, suffered a quad injury in the second half Sunday night. And they're saying day-to-day, but uh, we believe it's going to be out at least two weeks. So that's a bit of a blow because, as you mentioned, McLean and Durant have already missed time this year. Right. Anthony Spencer is trying to come back as well, and he may or may not play. Um, well, he, the, uh... he did. Uh, yeah, we think he's going to be able to play this Sunday against the Texans. He did play his first game action in over a year. Uh, he had a knee surgery, really bad knee injury, had microfracture knee surgery um, last fall. He played only part of one game last year um, and then had to have this, the surgery. But he actually was in for 22 plays on Sunday night against the Saints. They were hoping he'd get about 15 to 20. He ended up with 22. So depending on how he comes through this week, um, and they'll probably give him, you know, a day, maybe two days off from practice this week. I uh, think the team's hopeful that Spencer will be able to, to play um, this coming weekend. And that's important, Adesina, because this is a, a really, um, the, the pass rush ha- it has been the problem for this um, Cowboys defense. They, without Ware and without Hatcher, who, who's going to get to the quarterback? And as I said, they were able to affect Breeze some early in that game, but if you just look at it statistically, oh my gosh, this team is terrible, but uh, they are doing a little better. They are having to bring some corner blitzes, and and uh, Marinelli is having to be creative with it, but, but they are doing a fairly decent job of pressuring the quarterback so far. So is there more optimism on the defense because of the players that they're getting back, or is there more of a worry because they're going to ha- they're having to do this with mostly no names and that things could possibly not get better because of some of the players that are currently playing because of other players being injured in terms of the defense? Is there more optimism, or is there a little bit more leeriness uh, going down the road for this defense? Hey, among the players and the coaching staff, there's a quiet confidence. Okay. I, I tell you, about it was maybe ninety minutes or two hours before kickoff on Sunday evening, as she said, we had the night game, and I'm standing on the sideline with Rod Marinelli, the defensive coordinator. Rod's an older guy; he's about sixty-five years old. He's pretty quiet, not when he yells at his players <laughs> when they mess up, but in general, he's a quiet, unassuming guy, very, you know, grandfatherly, and actually. <laughs> We were talking about his grandkids, of all things. <laughs> but anyway, we, we and there were just a few players doing some light jogging out there. It was before, you know, the uh, main uh, part of pregame warm-ups. But that big scoreboard at uh, AT&T Stadium, the big Jerrytron above the field, mm-hmm. we look up at that because they're showing um, uh, the Eagles 49ers game. Yeah. And the Eagles had 21 points, but none of them were by the offense. They had the punt block. Um, recovered uh, in the end zone for a score. They had two return touchdowns. So you look up and I say, yeah, they've got 21 points, but they're special teams and defensive scores. And Rod looks up and he says, I can't wait to get those guys, Hmm. meaning the Eagles offense. And then he looked across the field towards the visiting bench where the Saints would be, and he says, and I can't wait to get it these guys tonight. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, the Cowboys really are going to win this game. Really? Yes. <laughs> that because it was, it, was just, it was just the way he said it. Wow. You know, just a quiet kind of like, but just com- supremely confident kind of, you know, you know, sometimes you just get that feeling somebody says something and it's like, all right, here we go. And it happened to be the case. Okay, give the Cowboy offense so much credit for that win as well. But I'm telling you, that's when it hit me like, oh, my gosh. But that's that's the attitude they have. And, and the guys like Jeremy Mincy and Henry Melton, they say, hey, we don't have – we don't have a lot of big names on our side of the ball, but that's okay. The ones who are here, we know we can play, and it may not be perfect or pretty all the time, but we're going to be able to do it, and we're confident in who we have um, here. And so I love that attitude because here's the thing. With the Cowboys, and I'm speaking in general now, just not about this year's defense. I mean overall with the Cowboys in the Jerry Jones era for the past 25 yeah. years, or actually be 26 years now. When the team, when there are high expectations, this team often fails to meet them, all right? Yeah. But especially over the past uh, 15 years or so. But when people count them out, that's when they play the best. And obviously people were counting them out this year, but so far they're playing pretty well, and they're at 3-1 and one and tied for first place yeah. in the East. Now, before I continue, who doesn't talk about someone else's grandkids before the game? Isn't that just a normal <laughs> conversation uh, before a football game? Like an hour hey, that's, before? That's how you develop a relationship, <laughs> Absolutely, you know? yes. You, do. Now, it, it, you, you can get away with some things, you know, talking about stuff. Hey, it was so far before the game, you know. Uh, I don't want it to sound like no, no, you know, I, not I didn't doing mean to make our it, jobs. But I, I didn't mean hey, to make it know? sound like that. No, not at all. Yeah, you got it. That's the way to get a coach to smile is asking about his family. <laughs> uh, speaking of coaches, and again, we're talking with Christy Scales of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. Scott Linehan on the offensive yeah. side, former uh, head coach with the Rams, former uh, offensive coordinator with uh, Detroit and Miami. He's now the passing game coordinator that is title that's his title but i have a feeling he has a whole lot more of an impact than just uh the passing game so uh can you just enlighten us yeah. a little bit about scott linehan's impact with the offense yeah i'm so glad you mentioned him because yeah the title is passing game coordinator but he's the one that's calling plays on game day he works with bill callahan who is the offensive coordinator in title as well as the offensive line coach callahan's the one who called the plays last year but callahan and his assistant, Frank Pollock, uh, really is more running game coordinating kind of thing. Uh, Linehan, the passing game coordinator, it's all overseen by Jason Garrett, of course. But Linehan is the one calling the plays on Sunday. And as you said, this is Linehan's first year with the Cowboys. But he and Jason Garrett go way back. Um, after Garrett finished his playing career, of course, he was with the Cowboys, and then he was with the Giants. He was Kerry Collins' backup. Uh, you know, a lot of the fans in New York remember that. Love but that. Um, his, his first job in coaching was on uh, Nick Saban's staff down with the Dolphins. He was the quarterback's coach, and Linehan was a coordinator. And so he and Scott go way, way back, and they have similar um, philosophies on offense. Uh, when Scott came in, you know, it, it's basically the same offense. Uh, he did change a little bit with terminology, but Linehan uh, deserves a lot of the credit for the offense's play through the first month of the season. And when we talked about that, you know, sticking with the run, that commitment to the run, he's the one calling the plays. And 
Uh, as I said, that St. Louis game, how there were some negative runs early and the team fell behind 21 to nothing. He, and of course, Jason Garrett is, has veto power over all the, the calls coming from the sideline, but they had enough time in the game and, and credit them for sticking to their guns, sticking to the run. Uh, so yeah, Linehan, uh, Tony Romo just, uh, you know, loves to talk about the relationship that he has with Linehan and how they, see the game uh, through similar eyes, and he really likes what they're doing with the offense this year. So, so far at the quarter post of the season, you know, Linehan is the rock star around town, and, and that's a good thing because it means he's a genius. Right now, he's a genius. So far. Again, Christy Scales, Dallas Cowboys Radio Network, going to wrap up with a couple of uh, questions really quick. Uh, you mentioned the schedule. And including the Saints game last week, a stretch of five of six at home at AT&T Stadium this week against the uh, Houston Texans. Has a lot been made by the team about really making hay right now because of all the home games lumped in. Then after that, they play in London against Jacksonville and then have the bye week. Uh, so has a lot been made about this stretch right now uh, at Valley Ranch? This five out of six stretch at home and making hay right now? By the media and the fans, yes. By the players and the coaching staff, no. Because Jason Garrett said we're going to put a stack a good Thursday on top of a good Wednesday on top of a good Tuesday. So said it's boring, boring, boring. (laughs) The key, the key, yes. You're not going to get Jason to admit that Monday comes after Sunday, okay? (laughs) Because Sunday is the focus. So, <laughs> Fair um, enough, right? Yeah, no, I, I you know, hey, I'm I'm only half joking when I say that, you know. Mm. Um, so believe me, this team knows that they've got so much work to do, and there is absolutely no way they can look past a Sunday game against the Houston Texans. So, yeah, if they're privately thinking it, they're certainly not going to share it with the media because that would go against the mantra that that, uh, the coaches laid down. And we lose out because they don't share with people like us, really nice people that would love to get that information. Hey, Uh, show me a picture of your kids, you know? (laughs) Hey, we're we're all friends here. It's all family. All right, and I have to show you pictures of my family the next time I see you when you are here in New York. There you go. All right, and then we'll share. Exactly. Uh, Yes, Christy Scales of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. It has been such a pleasure again uh, talking with you about the Dallas Cowboys. Sunday, the Cowboys take on the Houston Texans. I would say there's a whole lot of buzz because both teams are three and one and they're in the state of texas it could be the biggest game even though they play once every four years um this texans cowboys rivalry but as you have said one day after another after another so this is just another game out of 16 today, today let's uh, let's just study and install the game plan how do you stop jj watt uh, yeah, it's, you know, yes <laughs> limit him you can't stop him you can only contain him yes. right uh, jj watt <laughs> versus the cowboys offensive line could be a whole conversation 30 minutes Hey, all, all the first-round picks I talked about, yep. get ready, boys. Oh. Let's, oh. see if, let's see if you're worth those picks or not. Exactly. It's, it should be a whole lot of fun watching Houston and the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday from AT&T Stadium. Christy Scales, again, it has been a pleasure uh, talking with you, and uh, we will talk with you down the road as we talk more about the Dallas Cowboys in the 2014 season. Sounds great.
We are back here on Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk, and we, first of all, have to thank Christy Scales of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network for joining us on the second down segment. Uh, got to learn a lot about the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, a lot more than I thought I'd ever learn in, one, in, in 22 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A lot was fit in and shoehorned in, but we thank Christy so very much. Um, and it kind of it actually does segue perfectly into our third down segment where we preview some of the games in Sunday and Monday, possibly depending on if the Monday game is interesting for us to preview in Seattle, Washington. We may not get to that. Uh, but our third down segment, we preview the games that are coming up uh, on Sunday. Of course, one game already being played. Green Bay absolutely throttling uh, the Minnesota Vikings after Minnesota defeated uh, Atlanta the week before. No Teddy Bridgewater and essentially it was no Teddy Bridgewater. No chance uh, yes, for agreed. the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So Green Bay uh, winning that ball game. A couple of wins after Aaron Rodgers told all Packer fans to relax. Um, relax. So, yes, R-E-L-A-X. Um, that's what we're doing right now. So this is our third down segment. We're going to take a look at a few of the matchups in week five. And, of course, as I said, a perfect segue from the talk about the Dallas Cowboys to the Dallas Cowboys on the field on Sunday at AT&T Stadium, the Jerry Mahal, Jerry World, whatever you want to call it, the Lone Star State Showdown between the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans. Both teams 3-1. and one. If there's a winner of the game, 4-1. and one. Uh, How do you look at this game between Houston and Dallas? Two teams that are playing fairly well in the Texans beating the Bills uh, going into this game last week. Mm, yes, they did. Sorry. Um, no, hey, you know, <laughs> it's, it's football. Um, I think this is going to be a close game, but I do think Dallas is going to uh, pull it out. They have a better run game, and um, Fitzpatrick, former Bill, yeah. um, he's a little inconsistent still. I mean, he's, he's playing like he played for Buffalo. Uh, he just has more talented people around him, I think, than he did in Buffalo, um, and they much better defense. Um, but I don't think they're going to win. Yeah, I, this, it, you know, yeah. It, Dallas home. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, watching the Houston Texans uh, a couple of weeks ago in Week Three against the uh, New York Giants, they were two and zero, uh, and they got shut out at halftime. Even mm. though they almost shut out the Giants at uh, half as well, it was almost a zero-zero game at halftime. But Fitzpatrick in the second half, the first couple of weeks he did okay. He had done okay, right? And then, oh, last uh, that week, he just made some mind-boggling throws. Where the second he releases it. You look at the secondary, and you mutter, mutter, where is he throwing this to? There's like four defenders right here. This is only... I, 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 I'm used to this um, with Fitzpatrick. I've seen this happen quite a bit, actually, with Fitzpatrick. Um, so, yeah, I just don't... He, he does do that. He chokes a lot, and when he chokes, he chokes bad. It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, when, when, Fitzpatrick, when Fitzpatrick gets going, he's not bad. He no. usually has these decent starts to really good starts, and the second he hits a rough patch in one game... It turns into three, four games, and it, it does, just sours. Game. And I guess give him credit. Last week he didn't have a great game against Buffalo, uh, but enough to win. Of course, the defense helped out uh, with the interception returned by JJ Watt, and then the interception at the very end to uh, seal the victory. Arian Foster has been battling a hamstring yes. injury, and he's probably going to uh, battle that for another month, month and a half, as long as he plays. That's not an injury that's just going to go away uh, pretty uh, uh, easily. But I do think that. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys should have enough uh, to win the Lone Star State battle and go to 4-1 and one of the year. And so this isn't the time you're picking the Cowboys to choke. 
No, I, I don't think they'll <laughs> show now. End of the season. Yes. End of the season. And as Christy said, the matchup between J.J. Watt and the defensive line of the Texans against the improved, much improved line of the Dallas Cowboys should be one to watch. If you want to concentrate on offensive line play versus defensive line play. And That's not a watch good game to whack. Right. That's <laughs> a good game to watch. Yeah, yeah. this will be a good game. It is. Uh, another good game should be at Levi Stadium. The San Francisco 49ers at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Alex Smith returns uh, to <laughs> San Francisco after he did so well uh, in the year that he was in San Francisco, his fr- San Francisco, his final two years led him to the NFC Championship game, had a good start uh, to the 2012 season, gets hurt, concussion, Colin Kaepernick comes in and doesn't seed the quarterback position, and then all of a sudden Alex, Alex Smith is in Kansas City, uh, helps lead the Chiefs to the playoffs last year, and uh, now the Chiefs at 2-2 two and two take on the San Francisco 49ers, who are also 2-2. Two and two. So a couple of teams that had a lot of expectations coming into the year. Chiefs made the playoffs last year. Uh, the 49ers made their third straight NFC title game uh, last year. The loser of this game is 2-3. and three. Uh, Winner of this game probably says, okay, after a rough start, we have our sea legs back. So Alex Smith back in the Bay Area against San Francisco. How do you see that uh, playing out? I think KC. Um, I think that after the big win in New England, that it really is going to motivate them. San Francisco's got a lot of problems. Um there's, it's no secret that Harbaugh and his team are not clicking, yeah. um, and I, that's going to hurt them this season. Yeah. I don't even see San Francisco making the playoffs yeah. this year. Deion Sanders made sure it wasn't a secret. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. I was laughing when I saw that. Um, I was like, of course, Deion, you would say that. Um, but, yeah, I just think there's too many, too many uh, internal struggles with San Francisco this year, and I just... Yeah, KC's coming off a huge win, and I think they're just going to roll on that. It's interesting because I, uh, when I made my predictions about teams making the Super Bowl, making the playoffs or whatnot, I hit on that with San Francisco. There's just too much off the field Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the struggle between Jim Harbaugh and the front office, but the people that are off the field because of injuries. Right, Uh, that's it. Jamal Bowman, uh, Ray McDonald, uh, as he has his um, assault. Abuse, uh, domestic abuse oh, stuff going yeah. as well. Um, and they just have a lot of personnel issues, but they've been doing fairly well. Their replacements have not been bad at all. San Francisco pitched a shutout last week True. against Philadelphia. All the points Philadelphia scored was either on defense or on special teams. Dan Scooter's been uh, doing great uh, in place of Navarro Bowman at linebacker uh, so far. It, it's very interesting with Kansas City, San Francisco. I don't know. I, I don't know if I can pick a winner. <laughs> well, I should. Um, but Kansas City coming off a huge win, and the way that they did it, the manner in which they did it, just so dominating. Can they carry that all the way out west and beat a 49ers team that a lot of people would say is ripe for the picking right now? Uh, and Colin Kaepernick hasn't played that great. No, he um, has not. The run game hasn't been as dominant no. in the past two, three years. And the defense hasn't been as dominant as yeah. it has been in the last couple of years either. Outside of last week. Outside of last week. No, last <laughs> week it was great. But, I mean, overall, I mean... Yeah. You know, the season so far, they're not the the dominant defense that they've been previous yeah, years. And who knows whether that's just because of personnel not being there and that, the personnel needs to yeah. come back. Who knows? Um, and I wish I knew. Uh, but I probably, both teams have this sine wave going on. Uh, the 49ers, they, big win against Dallas. They blow them out. 
And then after that, a couple of losses. <laughs> right, right after that. They blow the lead against the Bears on Sunday Night Football, lose to Arizona, and Arizona doesn't get enough credit. We'll talk about them coming up uh, really soon. Lost to Arizona on the road, 1-2. and two. The 49ers are one yard away from going 1-3. and three. The Eagles are at the one-yard line with third down and fourth down. They have two plays to get one yard to take the lead, and weren't able to do it, so, but you have to give San Francisco credit for keeping Philadelphia out of the end zone. I'm going to go with San Francisco um, at home, go to 3-2, and two, but Kansas City, as I said, on this side wave as well. First game at home against Tennessee, they get blown out. They're be- probably their best defensive player, if you don't think Eric Berry's their best defensive player, or Tom Bahali, or Justin Houston, Derek Johnson, linebacker, uh, tore his knee, out for the year. Out for the year. That um, was a huge hit. Huge First hit. game. And then the week after that, they lose again, 0-2, against Denver on the road, although they were very close against Denver. I think they were within 10 yards of tying the game. Uh, but they're 0-2. Things look bad. Uh, then they come up with a big win on the road in Miami to get to 1-2, and two, and then uh, New England, they absolutely blow them out. So I guess the key for New England is to play AFC East teams, beating Miami, beating New England. So They're not going to beat the Bills. The, they're they're going to beat the Jets. Um, yes, so, they are. I'm going to go with San Francisco on that one, and Holly takes uh, Kansas City. Uh, speaking of the Arizona Cardinals, I mentioned them, one of the teams that beat the San Francisco 49ers. They are one of two undefeated teams, along with the Cincinnati Bengals. We talked about the Bengals and uh, Patriots in our first down segment. The Arizona Cardinals on the road to take on the Denver Broncos coming off the bye week at 2-1. and one. Arizona's 3-0, and, and even with that undefeated record, even with winning 10 games last year... No one's talking about them. Yeah, this is crazy underrated. Yeah, no one's talking about this team, which is baffling to me because I'm petrified because we have to play them this year and we're, we're going to get walloped um, because they're really good and they have been good but nobody talks about Arizona um, they're a great team I think they're good they're going to the championship at least I don't know if they'll make the bowl we'll see um, but I definitely pick them this week you pick it's at Denver you pick Arizona yeah. to go on the road yep. at mile high yes. and beat the Broncos yes which I'm not too surprised given the fact that the team that has given Denver trouble in the past five games, if you go back to last season's Super Bowl, uh, are the Seattle Seahawks, a very physical defensive team. Correct. They man coverage. They're in your face. Arizona's the same defense. It's the same defense. They play it the same way. That's why I picked them to win because it's obvious Denver cannot play against the Seahawks. Those type of defenses. They can't. They've done horribly... Horribly. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, until a comeback in the fourth quarter of that game against Seattle, where they tied the game, they were five points. Yeah. <laughs> okay, going into the fourth quarter, five points. Yeah. And uh, they were able to come back, tie the game, but then uh, Seattle scored in the first possession of overtime to end the game. The Marshawn Lynch uh, touchdown at the very end. So, huh, I haven't seen Denver lose too much at home. The only team that can kind of really beat Denver at home, and it's, it's happened, I think, through the past three years, San Diego. Uh, can Arizona go on the road with a backup quarterback, uh, Drew Stanton? It almost seems as I think they can. I think they can. Yeah. I think their defense will definitely score some points. Um, so I, I think so. And, and we were talking about it um, about a month ago about Arizona. You and I were out with a friend as well, uh, Emmanuel. We'll give him a shout-out. Hey, Emmanuel! Uh, <laughs> and uh, he was very high on the Cardinals. And I was, but I wasn't high on Carson Palmer. And I essentially said, Carson Palmer's not going to be a huge difference between the Cardinals winning and losing. And it's almost turning out that way because 
Palmer's out. He's only played one game. He has that nerve problem. He's not sure whether he can play next week or <laughs> next month. Right. Yeah, so I don't want to say mystery injury. We know what the injury is. It, it just depends on the recovery time. Uh, Drew Stanton, first game that he played against uh, the New York Giants was more of a game manager, as they say. He did just make sure not to make mistakes. But he played very well against San he Francisco. Did. A couple of touchdown passes. John Brown, a rookie wide receiver, uh, really fast. He made a very good impression. Uh, oh, boy. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I somehow, somehow. I think they're going to do this. Somehow Todd Bowles' defense can hold off the Broncos enough, even at mile high in Vesco Field to defeat the Denver Broncos. I'm almost in disbelief in saying that. Um, but I'm a, ver- I'm a believer in the Cardinals. I'm a believer in the I Cardinals. I am too. Yeah. I am a believer I am in too. the Cardinals. Speaking of birds, uh, we have the Atlanta Falcons uh, on the road against the New York Giants, both teams 2-2, two and two, and a lot of sports talk, and I will be there uh, at the game at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, the Falcons and the Giants on Sunday. Falcons 2-2, two and two, got off on a high, beat the Saints, lost... Um, just recently to uh, the Minnesota Vikings, got blown out by the Minnesota Vikings. So the Falcons are 2-2, two and two, lost to Cincinnati as well on the road uh, in Cincinnati, then came back at home and defeated the Buccaneers 56-14. to 14. The New York Giants, after two weeks, look like the worst team in football. And in weeks three and weeks four, uh, they look like one of the best teams in football. So Agreed. which Giants team is going to show up on Sunday? I think it's going to be the improved Giants team, and I also think they're going to win at home. Um, they're really clicking now with the West Coast offense, and I think that's just going to keep on going. Yeah, Atlanta has the best offense in the National Football League if you look at yards per game. game. But the second game against Cincinnati, they were playing catch-up, so you got to throw, throw, throw. The third game against Tampa Bay, they were just gaining yards for fun because uh, they were blowing them out. Uh, yeah, I, I got to go with you on the Giants. Uh, Rashad Jennings doesn't get enough credit. The running back that they acquired uh, from, I believe, Jackson, Oakland, excuse me. Oakland. Oh, Rashad Jennings has been a terror for the New York Giants the past couple of weeks. I think he's third in the NFL in rushing. He is third. And he's pretty much come out of nowhere for people that didn't hear about Rashad Jennings in Jacksonville, then in Oakland, before coming over to the New York Giants. A lot of people thought Andre Williams, the rookie from Boston College, who had over 2,000 yards last year, would possibly carry the low David Wilson, of Same. course, but he had uh, the neck um, issues and had to retire um, after he injured his neck in the preseason, in the preseason opener. Uh, but... Rashad Jennings has done a great job, and if the Giants continue to run the ball in the Falcons' defense the past three or four years has been very porous. Yeah. And the Falcons' offensive line the past couple of years has been very, very porous. porous. <laughs> so, Giants, better defensive line, better offensive line, and um, I'm with you. We take the uh, Giants over the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the New York Jets... Sticking with New York, one and three, despite all the great stats I told you, but I told you about the terrible stats for Geno Smith, on the road against the 3-1 Chargers. Do the Jets have any chance in San Diego, in Mission Valley, against the Chargers? No. Not, not a blink. <laughs> not, that, not at all. That was some in-depth analysis. You don't have to go in-depth. Um, that, that's as in-depth as you need to go. Yeah. Uh, I think the Jets have a chance. They have a really good chance because their defense is going to pressure Phillip Rivers. Um, their defense is going to pressure anybody. And if Agreed. That Agreed, but they, the offense isn't there. No, the quarterback isn't there. That is true. I mean, if oh. they put Vic in, they might have a chance. Uh, if they put Vic in now and they give him a whole week of practice and then Correct. they play on right. Sunday, 
I would say, okay, the Jets have a pretty decent chance. Um, I think they have a pretty decent chance now because Geno Smith is outside of the turnovers. And I guess I shouldn't say that. Outside of all the times he's given the ball up, which is seven and four games, which is almost two a game, he's actually not been bad throwing the ball. The game against Green Bay, he did really well, Geno Smith. He had that one turnover on a pick, which the Packers took, what, 97 yards for a touchdown yes, right before did. the half. Uh, Geno Smith threw the time touchdown late in the game, but the Jets called timeout right before it, so it didn't count. That's a very Jets thing. Uh, but Geno Smith hasn't been playing bad. Um, yeah, I, if you you're saying that because you're a fan. You're, no, I'm not. being objective. He's been, been playing horribly. No, he's been turning over the ball. Two turnovers per game? A set, yes, that's terrible. Bad. That is terrible. But, but you <laughs> see Geno Smith, when he ma- he's making really good throws. But his biggest problem, he just doesn't have any awareness. So many times he'll roll out of the pocket, and you think to yourself, okay, throw the ball away. And he won't. He'll get to the... The boundary line. He will get to the boundary line right before he steps out of bounds, throws it away. Or he'll run out of bounds and lose two yards when all he has to do is throw the ball away, you get the ball back. Well, I mean, then it falls on his, his coaching. It, it falls on his coaching. No, 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 to a point. To a point. You gotta be aware. Yeah, no, you have to be self aware. Five, five first down turnovers, four on picks. You have to be aware of that. If the throw's not there on first down, don't force it. You got second and third down. But you are just. Proving my point, he's a bad quarterback. Well, I proved my own point. I wrote all this stuff down. But outside of all the stuff I uh, wrote down, which is very valid, and your points are very valid too, um, if he avoids the turnover, I think the Jets have a really good chance to win in San Diego. But, But you just have to answer the question. Can you avoid the turnover? No. If the answer is no, then Chargers. Even I will have to pick the Chargers on this one. Yes. Um, we have one more game to touch on the Baltimore. I was about to say the Baltimore Colts. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens going to Indianapolis to take on the team that left the city of Baltimore, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, left uh, the Colts, left Baltimore in the Mayflower. Uh, not the Mayflower of the ship, but the Mayflower uh, trucking company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they left the Mayflower ship, then, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 1400s, right? No, sorry, 1700s. I'm sorry. Um, so, we have the Colts at 2-2. Two and two. They started 0-2. They've come back. They're 2-2. Two and two. Andrew Luck is playing very well as he has been since the second. Uh, he stepped into the National Football League of the Baltimore Ravens at 3-1, and one, uh, losing to Cincinnati and then winning three in a row. It should be a very interesting matchup, Baltimore, in Indianapolis. Probably I, an even matchup. Yeah, I think it is a very even matchup. I think this can be another one. I think this is going to go into overtime, to be honest with you. I think this is going to be one of the OT games this week, but I'm going with Indy on this. All right, all right. So Indy to 3-2, three, three wins in a row. I would... Oh, boy. I'm probably going to disagree with you because we've agreed too much the past couple of picks. I think Baltimore yes. the road. Yeah, Baltimore. We the don't road. ever agree on picks either. Well, that, that's, <laughs> why our, that's why we have our show, okay? Because there's interesting uh, dialogue yeah. right? because we uh, don't agree too, too, too many times. So that's a look at week five of the National Football League, at least some of the games in week five of the National Football League. Very, very interesting games. My apologies to Tennessee Titans fans and Cleveland Browns fans that we didn't get to talk about the Titans and Browns. Um, and other games as well, but uh, 
it should be a very interesting week five uh, in the National Football League. So that was our third down segment, and we are going to our fourth down segment and the end of our show. And again, Holly Carperson, thank you so very much. Thank you so uh, much for having me. I am having a blast. Oh, great. Well, you're going to have more of a blast because we have reached fourth down, uh, which is the end of our show. And what I'm going to do with my co-host on Down and Distance is ask a question about a certain topic in the National Football League, and our co-host is going to either, on fourth down, punt it and say, no, this may not happen, or I don't think this will happen, or go for it in terms of the scenario I'm giving you, and you think that it might happen or will happen. So I'm going to give you a scenario, and I'm going to ask you whether you're going to punt this and say this isn't going to happen, or go for it and say, hey, this might happen or this will happen. So this is your fourth down topic, and it branches off of the Christy Scales interview with the Dallas Cowboys and DeMarco Murray. 534 yards after four games, leads the NFL in rushing. He's the runaway leader in rushing in the National Football League. It's an amazing year. Yeah, so far. 534 yards. Now, the record is over 2,100 yards, and that's going to be really hard to attain. But if DeMarco Murray averages 122 yards per game from now until the end of the season, then he will have himself a 2,000-yard year. So I ask you, will DeMarco Murray get to 2,000 yards? He is more than a quarter of the way there at the quarter pole of the season, 534. So are you punting on DeMarco Murray 2,000-yard season, or are you going for it, DeMarco Murray 2,000-yard season? Punting. You're punting. <laughs> you don't think that... Um, I think he's, he's, they're going to... You know, right now, I don't think anybody knows what to do with him. And the defense is going to start... Correcting that, the you know different defensive teams, they're all going to start correcting that, and they. I'm gonna. I, I do think he's gonna have it over a thousand this year, without oh, a oh, doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. That that that's. You have a thousand yards by the next <laughs> two games, two right? Games. But I don't think he'll hit. I, I think you know defenses will correct their you know things with him. They're gonna they're gonna try to squash him. So I think you're gonna see his yards going down per per game. Yeah, but once again, 122 yards per game. You would have to average from now until yeah. the end of the season. He's well over 122 yards. Yeah, but I, he's not gonna have that every every game. No, not, not. not for the rest of the season. No. Uh, but he does have. Of, uh, some of the NFC East defenses. He does the Washington yes, that's true. Play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a couple true. of times. So yeah, that's every true. game he gains 80, he could have yeah. a 20 yard game. Yeah, exactly. And the Cowboys so. offensive line is playing very, very well. If they keep up that high level of play on the offensive line, it may not matter if the defenses are adjusting to the run game. Uh, DeMarco Murray could A, have a whole lot of holes uh, to run through, and or B, that the Dallas Cowboys pass game with Jason Witten and Des Bryant and Terrence Williams and Tony Romo getting time because of so many people worried about uh, running the football. There could be a lot of opportunities to play action pass and that can open that up and still open up Correct. a lot of room yeah. for DeMarco Murray. So, but we have Holly Culbertson punting on a 2000 yard season for DeMarco Murray. And that is our show for this week. And thank you so very much everybody for listening to our show. It's our 
for sure. It won't be our last. No. That's for sure. No, it uh, won't. We will have uh, great interview guests on our second down segment every week, and we will try to provide that for you. We have some people lined up that you would like to listen to, players, broadcasters, former players, greats. Uh, we will have everybody here on the show, and we will also have Holly on the show as well. These uh, broadcasts and podcasts, and Holly, again, I can't thank you so very much uh, for joining us, and uh, hopefully uh, we didn't and weren't too hard on you to begin the show. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Hope you were nicely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, for Holly Culbertson, I am Adeshina Koiki. Thank you so very much for joining us, and we will see you next week on Down and Distance. You're listening to the Alada Sports Talk Network. Mm-hmm.